Amen. Well, good morning. It is great to be with you this morning, and I am so grateful for the reminder that communion gives us right here at the start of this message, because Jesus would often do this. He'd be talking to some crowds of people, and he would say things like, hey, I'm about to go and die on a cross. And unless you're willing to pick up your cross and hang there right next to me, then you cannot be my disciple. What a reminder that as we take those elements this morning that we remember what Jesus has done for us, but we also realize this high call and this high price that God calls each of us who respond to this call to be his disciples to make. And we should not take that lightly. And so I think as we go into this message this morning, even just starting right there in your own heart without evaluation, like has following Jesus been something less than your whole life belonging to him and a willingness to follow him even to the point of death? And I think that's the call that really captures the heart of this message this morning, and, and I think what the Lord is going to ask you to wrestle with personally, wherever you fall on this issue that we're going to talk about, I think the Lord's going to ask you to wrestle with that personally. And so if you're just joining us for the first time this morning, it's great to have you with us. You're joining us on our series finale of this series called Questions, where we've been searching out God's vision and God's mission for Together Church. And we say God's vision and God's mission because we really believe he's the one who gave them to us, that this isn't our vision, this isn't our mission, this is what the Lord has led us to do as his church. And so in this series, what we've been doing is asking and answering some important questions to help us understand that vision and that mission. Here's some examples of some of the questions we've asked and answered. What is a relational environment and how do we create one? I hope you feel a little more in the know on that, you know, after this series of messages. Why team discipleship? Why put God's word front and center in our discipleship relationships? How do I become a more relational person? And how do I resolve conflict biblically? We've looked at those the last couple of weeks, and I appreciate Pastor Jerry bringing that word to us last week, helping us understand this important issue, how do I resolve conflict biblically? All these questions are tied together by a central theme. They help us search out God's vision and God's mission for Together Church. And I wonder, I challenged you to memorize them. Have you memorized them yet? Have you memorized the vision and the mission for Together Church? If you haven't memorized them yet, I want to encourage you, put them to memory. Learn these. Let them be part of your mind so that God can move it to your heart and move it to your hands. And so I'm going to review them for you, and maybe even perhaps you want to take a picture of this screen so that you can go, okay, finally, I'm going to put these to memory. So what is God's vision? We will develop people who radically impact the world for Jesus Christ. That's the vision. And remember, the vision is God-sized. It's bigger than we are. We can't bring it about on our own. I mean, I can't develop anyone because that's more than my part to develop someone else. And even if I could develop somebody into spiritual maturity, I could not determine that God's going to use them to radically impact the world for Jesus Christ. We're talking about together church, uh, this church in South Oklahoma City making an impact on the world. That vision is bigger 
than us. And so God's given us a mission, and the mission is how we align ourselves to that vision. And the mission is we will create relational environments where disciples of Jesus are made. That as another relational environment is built, and then another one, and another one, that disciples of Jesus will be made in those relational environments, and it will multiply beyond the walls of this church, beyond the boundaries of this city, beyond this state, and to the nations, as we are faithful to walk in obedience to this mission that God has given us. And so this morning, we're going to ask and answer one final question to help us search out God's vision and God's mission for Together Church. And what I hope that you'll see this morning is that the mission that Jesus has given us hinges on this question. It hinges on it. If we don't ask and answer this question and live it out as his church, the mission of Jesus cannot be fulfilled here. And I'm going to show you why this morning it cannot be fulfilled without this question and without this answer. Okay, so what's the question? The question we're going to ask and answer this morning is, why are intentional leaders essential to Jesus' mission? Why are intentional leaders essential to Jesus' mission? And the answer, in his perfect wisdom and according to his sovereign will, God has determined to accomplish his purposes through intentional leaders. So the answer to this question is not about us. It's really about God. It's really about him and how he has decided to go about accomplishing his purposes on the earth. You do realize that God doesn't need anyone, right? Like he has no need of you or me. Like he's sovereign in and of himself. He's all sufficient. He's not dependent on you. He's not dependent on me. He's not dependent on anything outside of himself. He is self-sufficient. He is all-sufficient. He doesn't need us. But in his sovereignty, God has determined that when he's going to accomplish something on the earth, he's going to raise up intentional leaders. He's going to raise up men and women of faith who will trust him with their lives and who will surrender their life to him to lead others to accomplish his purposes. So this is God's strategy. This strategy is God's MO all throughout scripture. This is not just a one-time example here or a one-time example there. All throughout history, this is how God has operated. When God has a plan that he wants to bring about, he chooses to call out men and women of faith to lead God has, God has determined to bring about his vision and accomplish his mission through intentional leaders. And I want to show it to you in scripture. I want to show you just a few examples of where we can see this. And this is not all the examples, but these are a few of the examples that I think many of you will be familiar with as we go through these examples. Think about God's call on Noah. God called Noah to lead his family to build an ark. And through the construction of that ark, God had determined that he was going to save mankind from complete annihilation. And so when God's justice was coming and his judgment on the world, remember he said that he regretted that he even made man because of how rampant sin was in the earth. And God was going to bring this judgment on sin and he was just in bringing it. And he determined that he was going to save out for himself a family. 
so that the human race did not experience annihilation. And he saved out for himself Noah's family, and he gave, gave Noah the task, build an ark. And it was through Noah's leadership with his family that God brought about his purpose in that story. Remember when God called Abraham to lead. None of the nations of the world at that time were set apart for God. None of them were set apart as his holy people. And God had determined, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call out of the world a nation unto myself. And through that nation, I'm going to accomplish my purposes. I'm going to give my law so that they can know me better. I'm going to give my prophets so that they can know what I'm doing in the world. And I'm going to send my Messiah, Jesus Christ, to save the world from their sins and to reconcile people back to God. And when he determined that this was his plan and what he was going to do, he raised up a leader. He called Abraham to leave the land of the Chaldeans and to come into this land of promise. And Abraham led his family that direction and followed God as God was leading him. And God used Abraham to establish the nation of Israel. And when you open your Bible, you've got that because of what he did there. That's incredible. That is leadership. And God called Abraham to be an intentional leader. Another example is Moses. Moses, God's people for 400 years had been in bondage in Egypt. Slavery. And God had heard their cries and had determined, I'm going to call them out of bondage. I'm going to call them out of slavery. And I'm going to deliver them to a mountain that I've chosen where they're going to come and worship me. And at that mountain, I'm going to give my law. And I'm going to lead them into this land of promise. And when God determined that he was going to do that, what did he do? He called an intentional leader. He called Moses to rise up and to follow that call. And through the leadership of Moses, who is Moses to fulfill this call? But through his leadership, God accomplished his purpose in the earth. And then Joshua, through Moses, God raised up the leader, Joshua. And God determined that Joshua was going to be the one to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And the nation at that time was, was full, uh, that land was full of nations that were not pleasing to God, that had defiled the land, and God was bringing judgment on those nations, and he used Joshua to lead this conquest and to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And then Solomon. Fast forward quite a ways. Through David, God had expanded the borders of Israel but God had purposed that he was going to allow the construction of a temple where the people of God could gather and worship. And he said, I'm not going to use David. David, you can gather supplies. David, you can broaden this territory. But I'm going to use Solomon as the leader to construct this temple. And through the leadership of Solomon, the temple of God was built. And then God called the prophets of Israel to be a mouthpiece to the northern and southern kingdom of Israel. And man, what a difficult job that is, right? To be a prophet, to be somebody who is, uh, God is using them to, uh, uh, to speak his truth to people, to kings who have power and authority to even take their lives. And God used these prophets and raised them up so that his purposes and his will could be spoken to the people in that nation. 
And then God called Daniel. Remember, after the prophets had warned over and over again, repent and turn to God, or God is going to lead you out of the land of promise. You're going to be exiled. You're going to be foreigners. And sure enough, they didn't turn. And God, if you're reading the Bible, reading plan with us, we've been reading a lot about this. And we just started the book of Daniel. And where's the book of Daniel start? Right there in exile. The people of Israel have been taken out of the land of promise, and they've been placed into Babylon, into exile, there in that land. And God determined that he was going to use Daniel to be a witness to that foreign nation and to be a witness to Israel while they were in bondage and captivity in that, in that foreign land. And then one of my favorite stories in the Bible while they were in exile, God raised up Esther when his people were facing genocide. Remember Haman? He was that foreign dignitary who had determined that he was going to bring an end to the lives of all the Jews. And Mordecai told Esther that for such a time of this, God has raised you up. And she was obedient to God and was an intentional leader, put her own life on the line, stepped into the presence of the king, and God used her to deliver his people, the Israelites, from genocide, from complete annihilation. And then when it was time to go out of the uh, exile and back to the promised land, who did God raise up? Ezra and Nehemiah were two of the key leaders that God raised up in order to lead Israel out of exile back to the promised land to reestablish proper worship and to reconstruct a temple in the name of God. And then when God was sending his own son, the Messiah, Jesus, God incarnate to be born of human flesh. Who did he choose? Joseph and Mary, this family of lowly estate that lived in poverty, and he raised them up. They were people of faith, men and women of faith, and he raised them up, and to them he entrusted the very life of his son. As Mary fulfilled the promise of God and she gave birth as a virgin to the Son of God and then together they raised Jesus. What an incredible, incredible calling that God chose these intentional leaders, this young man and young woman, for such an important responsibility. And then the last example is Jesus. Jesus called 12 of his disciples that he also named apostles. And he set those 12 apostles apart that they might lead others to fulfill his mission and to make disciples of him. So it starts way, way back in the timeline of scripture and it moves on and on and on. And we see it in the life of Jesus. We see this MO. We see God's plan. When he has something he's gonna get done, when he has some, a purpose that he's going to accomplish, he chooses intentional leaders. In his perfect wisdom and according to his sovereign will, God has determined to accomplish his purposes through intentional leaders. And I want you to know this morning that God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still using intentional leaders to accomplish his purposes in the world today. I like how Pastor Seth said it this morning. Sometimes we hear these stories and read these biblical accounts and we forget how radical this is. How crazy it is that these people would give up their lives in this way so that they could be used by God and God's purposes be accomplished through them. God is calling all of us at Together Church 
to be a part of carrying out his mission. There's, we say it all the time, church is a team sport. God's calling all of us to fulfill the mission that he has given us. And the mission is for us to work together as a team to create relational environments where disciples of Jesus are made. And we have, all have a vital part to play in his mission for Together Church. But God's mission for our church won't even get off the ground if the people that he is calling to be men and women of faith, to be intentional leaders of small groups at this church, do not accept that call. It won't even get started. We, we're, we're dead in the water before we even take off. That role of being an intentional leader is such an important calling. So I want us to ask, what's the task? What's the role of an intentional leader at small groups at Together Church? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you are in a small group right now? Okay, so I could probably pass the microphone around and you could start to tell me some of the things that your intentional leader does to help create that relational environment where disciples of Jesus are made. Let me just give you a few of them. These intentional leaders in our church, first and foremost, before anything else, they are intentional followers of Jesus Christ. They are intentional followers. To be an intentional leader, God takes biblical truths and he often like turns them up. Like the biblical truths are often upside down to our regular thinking, right? He turns these things up. So we think if I got out on the street and I started asking people, what's an intentional leader? You know, they might do well, someone who's in charge, someone who's out front, someone who's really well-spoken and equipped well and, and can lead people. You know, those are the kind of answers we might give. But Jesus says, no, it's a servant of all. You know, the last will be first. Jesus called all of these disciples, who he also named apostles, before they ever became leaders. What did he call them to do? Follow me. He called them into proximity, into relationship with him. And so before any intentional leader can be an intentional leader, they have to be an intentional follower of Jesus. And they need to be an intentional follower of those authorities that God has placed over them. In our church, our intentional leaders do a great job working under the authority of the elders that God has called to lead together church. So that's the first thing. That's the first task, the first role of our intentional leaders of small groups. And then they lead their group to be relational. The intentional leaders of small groups at Together Church lead their groups to be relational. One of the ways they do that is they, they're the ones who lead the group to follow the guidelines. That's not an easy job. Like some of you look at that and go, oh, I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't want to be the one who calls somebody out if they're not following a guideline or goes and has a one-to-one -one conversation outside the meeting to tell them that, hey, we need to keep working on this guideline together. They've taken that job on. Because there has to be somebody to help the group be relational. And we follow those guidelines. And our, our reason for that is to create a relational environment. We even had a message on that a few weeks ago that you could go back and listen to. And so God is calling uh, these intentional leaders of Together Church, the ones who lead small groups, to, be, to lead the group to be relational. They do it by their own example. And they do it by the way that they lead others to follow those guidelines. And then they lead their group to put God's word front and center in their discipleship relationships. And they do that every week. How do they do that? Someone tell me. Through what? Through storing. 
They lead the group, and, and, and that's a task, that's a job. They, they have to know the passage. They have to recruit somebody to be the storyteller and make sure that that storyteller knows the responsibilities of the storyteller. And then they lead the group to hear the story, to rebuild the story from memory, to read the story from God's word. They take great initiative and responsibility on themselves in order to be the ones to lead the group to put God's word front and center in discipleship relationships. And then they lead their group to love one another and to meet each other's needs. How many of you have ever been served by somebody in your small group? Show of hands. There's your witness right there. I, I, I could put both hands up how many times I've been served. Even just a week ago Friday, several of the people who, have, who are in my small group or who have been in my small group in the past showed up at our house and helped us with a lot of things at our house. We've had fallen a little bit behind in some of our responsibilities, and they just showed up and served us. And what a blessing it was for us to, to experience that love and that serving from them. And so the intentional leaders do that. They lead the group uh, to love and serve and meet the needs of the people in the group. And then lastly, they lead their group to work as a team to disciple one another and to make more disciples of Jesus. And so they're the ones who somebody comes to them and says, how do I get in the game? And they say, well, I've got an assignment for you. Or, hey, there's a need here. Could, could, could you do this for us? Or this person needs a one-to-one -one meeting outside a group. You know, would you be willing to meet with them and get with them and see how they're doing? And they recruit these people to work together as a team to make disciples. God is using the intentional leaders of small groups at Together Church to bring about his vision and to accomplish his mission for our church. Just like God called Abraham and Moses and Joshua, and Esther, and the apostles to lead his people to accomplish his purposes, God has called these leaders to lead us and to work together as a team to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. And aren't you grateful for these leaders? Can we celebrate them a little bit, right? And I know if I paused right here, it'd be a lot of fun. And we heard a little bit last week just to have you come up and start sharing stories of how these intentional leaders, how God has used them to make a difference in your life. And last week on Group Appreciation Sunday, we heard several people thank their leaders for the investment that God made in their life. So here's the question. We've asked this question. Why are intentional leaders essential to the mission of Jesus? And we've given this answer. In his perfect wisdom and according to his sovereign will, God has determined to accomplish his purposes through intentional leaders. So here's the question that I have for you this morning. Is God calling you to be an intentional leader of a small group? Now I know I'm putting you on the spot. And if you feel a leading in that direction, I want to prompt you to trust the Holy Spirit because actually he's the one who calls people to lead in his church. Is God calling you to be an intentional leader of a small group at Together Church? If he is, I got good news. He's got some big things planned for your life. He's got some exciting things lined up where he wants you to see his power working through you. 
He wants to use you to accomplish his purposes on the earth, to lead his church, to fulfill his vision and his mission. But as I ask that question, I know that, that <clears throat> there could be some of you that are really struggling with this right now, that it might be creating a conflict for you at the moment because leadership always comes with a hefty price tag. It is not a light load. It is not an easy responsibility. When God calls someone into leadership, they have to be willing to trust him with their very lives. You're putting your life on the line. Everything that you know, the way you live, how things work in your life right now, you have to give God the freedom to change all of it in order to step into leadership. They must be willing to set aside their insecurities, selfish desires, and objections to follow Jesus. You know, of that list I gave you earlier of all those leaders that God used th throughout human history, maybe the one that gives us the best example of this internal conflict that's very natural, that can rage on inside of us whenever we're asked a question like, is God calling you to be an intentional leader? Is Moses. Moses is a great example of this in Exodus 3 and 4. Uh, remember when God called Moses into intentional leadership? And I want to remind you before we even start going through this that the job that God called Moses to was much bigger than being a small group leader at Together Church, right? God called Moses to be the one to lead over a million people out of captivity to Egypt and into freedom. And Moses hears that, and I guarantee you that's, that's a role, that's a job that he's thinking, this is way bigger than me. Like, God, there's got to be someone else. There are all kinds of things with, wrong with this calling that God gave Moses in Moses' mind. Actually, we see it in Exodus 3 and 4. You see, Moses had just escaped from Egypt as a fugitive. And he was actually wanted for murder. And if he was caught, he could face capital punishment. They could take his very life. He had escaped to a new place, and he found a new job, a new wife, and had some kids. And he was not a young man. He was an old man, or older man at this point. You know, all signs indicate that at this point in his life, Moses could have been very content to just settle down in this new place with his new family and live out the rest of his days as a shepherd. End of story. But that wasn't the end of God's story for Moses because God decided to call Moses to be an intentional leader. And there were a lot of logistical reasons why Moses would have seen himself as not the right one God, I'm not the right one to be the intentional leader to lead your children, Israel, out of bondage in Egypt. At the burning bush, when God called Moses to become an intentional leader to Israel, Moses' initial response, remember, was to resist God. That was his first response. God says, hey, I got this job for you, and Moses, uh, I don't know, God. Remember, I'll, I'll even put the references up here. Put the first bullet point up there. Moses says, who am I? that I should be chosen for this task. What if others don't accept me as a leader? What if people don't believe me or listen to me? Oh God, I am not eloquent enough or well-spoken to be a leader. And then finally, after all God answered all these things that he said, he just said, oh God, please send someone else. <laughs> What we know from the life of Moses is that this 
this initial response does not characterize the leadership of Moses. There was some resisting. There were some things he had to wrestle with and and work through when God called him to be a leader. But after initially resisting God's call, Moses yielded his rights and expectations completely to God. Moses decided to trust that God's plan for his future was better than any plan or any future that Moses could plan for himself. In fact, Moses' heart change was so radical and so significant that later on the Bible calls him the meekest man on earth. What a change from this to the meekest man on the face of the earth. You know, I can personally relate to Moses. And I can personally relate to anyone listening to this message today that is resisting God's call in their life to be an intentional leader. When God began to reveal to me that he was leading me towards becoming our senior pastor uh, a little over two years ago, I resisted it. I was, I was very resistant to that calling. There was a few reasons I was resistant. One was I understood the price tag that comes with leadership, and I wasn't sure I was willing to pay the price. How did I understand the price tag? Well, Jesus is the first example, and I know I was called to follow him, But also, I had watched Pastor Jerry and his family for years make sacrifices in their life. I had watched them sacrifice their life, their schedules, finances, family, dreams, goals, and vision in order to lay it all aside and accomplish what God was leading him and his family to do. I knew it came with a hefty, hefty price tag. And so I was resistant. And then I was resistant because I felt very insecure about my own leadership. And I felt very insecure about my ability to do the job. You know, whenever I was looking at it, one of the things that I've personally wrestled with, and Pastor Jerry has been a discipler in my life to help me through this, is the call to preach. You know, some guys like Jeremiah in the book of uh, of the prophets, in the book of Jeremiah, remember like God appears in this big vision and he eats these scrolls and it's like, I put my word in your mouth. And like from that day on, he just knows I'm a messenger of God. I'm called to preach, you know, that kind of thing. I haven't had one of those kind of visions. I haven't had one of those kind of moments where it's like from this day forward, I know what God called me to do. I mean, even Pastor Jerry, he wouldn't call it that, that same kind of, you know, in this spiritual realm, but when he, right after he got saved, he felt the Lord's call to preach in his life. The call to preach has been something that the Lord has had to wrestle with me on, and I think primarily because I've been resistant. I think the Lord is calling me to preach, has called me to preach, but I really had to wrestle my way through it because I, I wasn't sure about that calling. I didn't feel qualified. I didn't feel like I was gifted for that. And then I battled with the fear of failure, You know how you can tie your own self-esteem to a job? Have you ever experienced that before? You know, like if something fails and you see, oh, because that failed and because of my role, I am a failure and battling those kind of thoughts. And and one of the things I remember saying early on when the trustees were talking about this calling and asking me, was the Lord calling me this? I I expressed probably in a lot of immaturity and and maybe foolishly, although it was transparent, so that was good. But I said, I don't want to be the guy who comes into the church and turns the lights off. Like, this church has been around here for decades and decades and decades, and then Pastor Brandon takes the job, and we start turning off lights. You know, I don't want to be that guy. So I was tying my own sense of self-worth and and security, identity, to the possibility of failing, and it made me resist wanting to be in this role at all. 
And then I felt that there were better people for the job. Moses said it well, oh God, please send someone else. I really did like being the number two guy. I'm an administrator naturally. I love to get things done. I love to lead teams. And when Pastor Jerry was in this role and I was working as, as the executive pastor, that was the primary job description I had, was leaving, leading the teams and leading the organization and putting together the stuff. And so it was kind of like, well, God, I like that. I feel, I feel good about that. So God, please send someone else. Maybe I could support another guy that you're calling to lead. You see, becoming a leader wasn't just something that I decided to do. It was something I resisted. Becoming a leader was something that God called me to do, and I had to decide if I was going to yield to that calling or not. I had to wrestle with it. Ultimately, God helped me arrive at this place in my heart, and here's the prayer that I, that I could pray to the Lord. Let's put it up on the screen. God, I believe your plans for my life are better than anything I could plan for myself. I trust you. I will follow you wherever you lead me. When I came to that point, truly believing, God, your plans are better than my plans. Your ways are better than my ways. Your thoughts are better than my thoughts. All these logistical reasons why I should not accept this call to lead. And God says, trust me. Follow me. And you know what? I don't regret it. Has it been easy? Already it's been very difficult, and I haven't even been doing this officially very long. Do I always feel qualified? Absolutely not. Do I still battle with fears of insecurity? Yes, I do. But if I could go back, would I change it? Not for a minute would I change it. Why? Because he is God and I am not. His plans for my life are better than anything that I could plan. And I believe this is true. He is worthy of my affections. He is worthy of my praise. He is worthy of my worship. And I will follow King Jesus wherever he leads. Amen. So I put it right back on you. That's my story and my wrestle. Is God calling you to be an intentional leader of a small group at Together Church? Is God stirring your heart to lead? If he is, I want to ask you to do something courageous this morning. And I want to ask you to do something courageous because that's what leaders do. It takes courage to be an intentional leader. In a moment, what I'm going to ask you to do if you're an intentional, if God is stirring your heart in this way, is I'm going to ask you to stand up and come right down here to the front so that we can pray over you. Because that's an important thing to do for those leaders that God is raising up in his church, is for us to bless you and to pray over you. And you may have many, many reasons running through your head right now about all the logistics and all the logical reasons that you should not step into a role of leadership in Jesus' church. You may be battling thoughts like Moses, leading you to resist God. And my question for you this morning is, are you willing to put those thoughts aside and say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust that your plan is better than any plan that I could come up with for my own life. 
So this invitation, in just a moment when I ask you to come forward, it's not for our current leaders. So if you're currently a small group leader, if you're currently an elder, a deacon, if you're currently a leader in the church, you stay seated. It's for our future leaders, okay? And I will clarify this. If you're an elder or a deacon, but you're not a small group leader, and God is stirring your heart to be a small group leader, this call is for you. I know that you're already in leadership in one of those other areas, but I want to give the invitation to anyone in here who is not already an intentional leader of a small group, and I want to say, this is your moment. This is your time to respond to the Lord and to step into that calling. You might be an apprentice right now. If you are, I would encourage you to come forward if the Lord is calling you to lead. Or you might not even be a member of this church yet. None of that matters. Here's what matters. What matters is that you're listening to God and that you're responding to his call in your life to lead. And I would even say it this strongly. If he's not calling you to lead, do not get up. He gets to decide who those leaders are. The call to lead is not for every person in the church. The call to make disciples is for every person in the church. The call to work as a team and, and become like Jesus and help others become like Jesus, that's for everyone in the church. The call to lead is for a few in the church. And if God is stirring your heart to be one of those people who step into leadership, this is that call. So is it you? Is God calling you to become an intentional leader of a small group at Together Church? If he is, would you stand up right now and would you walk here to the front and stand right here in front of all of us so that we can pray over you this morning? And can we celebrate these who are responding to this call this morning for leadership? Some of you can come this way as well. Hey, isn't this cool? Hinges on men and women of faith who will step into the call to be intentional leaders for our church. And so if you guys would allow me, I want to pray over you this morning, but I don't want to be the only one to pray over you. If you're an elder or a deacon, a small group coach, or a small group leader, would you come and lay hands on these leaders right now as we pray over them this morning? And those of you who are leaders, listen to me. I would be happy while I'm praying if the Lord puts something specific on your heart to pray over these leaders, you just speak it to them. Speak it directly to them personally. Pray over them as the Lord leads you. But would you join us as we pray for these leaders? Heavenly Father, who are we that you would call us into your service, Lord? God, truly you alone are worthy. But in your perfect wisdom, and in your, according to your sovereign will, you have purposed to call men and women of faith to rise up and to be your leaders, to carry out your vision and to accomplish your mission on the earth. And Lord, you are calling 
these out that have responded to this invitation this morning. And now, Lord, as a church, we agree in prayer over them. And I wonder if you would participate, if you, if, if you feel comfortable, just reaching your hand out towards these leaders and, and praying this with me. Oh, God, we pray for these leaders, that you would set them apart, that you would use them according to your purposes. Lord, that you would use them to raise up more leaders, that you would use them to create relational environments where disciples of Jesus are made, and that God, somehow, not by our might or power, but by your Spirit, that you would use these leaders and those they lead to radically impact this world for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your call to lead in our life. Thank you, Lord, for setting us apart for such a time as this. And God, we say we surrender to that call. We're willing to count the cost and pay the price, and we're willing to be the leaders that you've called us to be. So God, fill us up with your power. Fill us up with your spirit and guide us, Lord, because we need you in order to carry out this vision that you've given us for your church. Thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you're planning to do in and through us. And all God's people said... Amen. Leaders, you can stay here just a minute, and if someone's still praying, you can do that. But we're not quite finished. I want to speak to you for a second. Before you can be a good, intentional leader, you must first become a good, intentional follower. Before Jesus commissioned any of those disciples to lead in his church, he first called them to follow him. And I want to encourage you the first step in this journey that the Lord's put you on is to be a follower of Jesus, to put him first in your life, that that characterizes you. You have to live set apart because he's called you to lead. You have to live different because he has called you to lead. You cannot tolerate sin in your life, and you certainly can't tolerate secret sin and ongoing sin in your life. You have to be willing to count the cost and pay the high price of adjusting your entire life to follow Jesus so that you can be an example to those he's called you to lead. And when you do struggle and falter, which we all do in the flesh, you must be humble and transparent. And you must be willing to confess your faults to others and leave nothing in the dark. So first you must become an intentional follower of Jesus and you need to become, in order to train for leadership, you've got to become the intentional follower of somebody in a small group who is already leading so that they can show you the way. And so if you haven't already done this, I encourage you, go to your small group leader and say, God has called me to be a small group leader at Together Church and I need your help in order to learn how to do that. And you small group leaders here, if you don't know, how to disciple an apprentice and how to raise them up and help them become a leader. You just tell me, tell your coach, and we will get you moving in the right direction because it's your job. Part of being a leader is raising up the next generation of leaders. And so small group leaders, I encourage you to do that. And then I just want to encourage one, one more thing for those of you God is calling to lead is to work under the authority of your leader and your coach. God's going to, he's calling you now, but he called Moses and then there was still some stuff to do before Moses was actually leaving Egypt with all those people following behind him, right? And there's still some stuff to do. Trust your small group leader, trust your coach and your pastors and get that stuff moving so that that vision that he's given you to be that leader can be fulfilled in your life. And so can we hear it one more time for these leaders? You guys stay here just a second.
Now it's your turn to turn and pray for our church. Because here's the thing. The rest of you, listen to me. If God is not calling you to be an intentional leader today, he may want to call you in the future. Moses was not a young man when God called him to lead Israel out of bondage. So if today's not that day, you're not off the hook. God gets to decide anytime he wants to call you to be a leader in his church. But whether that happens or not, right now, in this moment, God is calling you to something. And this is what he's calling you to. He's calling you to rally to your leader. He's calling you to rally to your leader. Moses could not lead Israel out of bondage unless they rallied to God and rallied to that leader. They resisted it some too. Do you remember the story of the time in, in Egypt? And they had some problems that they had to work through, but ultimately they had to embrace God's leader and be willing to follow Moses, follow God by following Moses out of slavery. So God's calling you to rally to your leader. Will you do it? Will you rally to your leader? What does that look like? Well, your small group leader is tasked with creating a relational environment where disciples of Jesus can be made. And that means culture is king. Culture, culture, culture. And when there's inconsistency in the group, the culture really suffers. So the first thing it means for you is to be a faithful follower by being a group. Go to group and show up and show up and show up. You can do it in other areas of your life. I'm, I'm assuming many of you hold a job. I'm assuming many of you take care of responsibilities at your house that need to be taken care of. You have what it takes. You just have to decide that you're willing to do it. And I want to encourage you, show up for these leaders and support them in the role that God has called them to do. Rally to these leaders. And then help, help your group become relational by following those guidelines that we use. Don't be the one that has to keep being called out over and over again for not following the same guideline. Adjust the way that you behave in order to be more relational and to follow their leadership. And then <clears throat> help the group disciple others. You do that in small group first by being transparent. Watch them. They're going to be transparent. Follow suit. Be transparent with them. And then accept assignments from your leader. Be willing to, you know, if they say, I need some help, what can I do? Just jump in and do it. What can I do? Ask your leaders how you can meet needs inside and outside the group. Give your time, give money, give your life to serve the people in your group and to support your leader. And then go to, go to church on Sunday with your leader. Go to special events with your leader. Go to trainings with your leader so that you can invest in the, into that culture of love and discipleship that the Lord is calling them to lead and you are the ones he is calling them to lead. So be, be teachable, be faithful, be available, be, be someone who can be led by others. Will you do it? Will you rally to your leader? Leaders, I'm going to ask you if you will just put your hand out towards these out here, and if you join me in prayer as we pray over our church at Together Church. Lord, I pray for these who are listening to this message this morning. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would move each one closer and closer into relationship with you. Lord, that you would call them out and show them your call on their life to be a follower of you. And to follow you means to follow these intentional leaders that you have given to lead them. So Lord, would you give them your grace, give them your power, give them your strength to accomplish this mission and to do their part in rallying to their leaders and supporting the work that you are leading them to do. 
God, bless these people as they do that. And Lord, there may be some here that aren't part of Together Church. Bless them as they go and rally to their leaders, Lord, and give them this heart to love and to serve those you've placed in their life to lead them. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing at Together Church and for the hope we have in you and for this sign of you working among us as we celebrate these leaders this morning. Help us be a church that follows you and makes disciples of you as each of us do our part. We pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate one more time as you guys return to your seats? Hey, that's exciting to me because without their leadership, we're dead in the water. There's no getting off the ground with this vision and this mission. So I hope that you will do your part. And, and I told you at the beginning of this message, communion's a great introduction because Jesus says, will you take up your cross and follow me? It's not some cushy life of praying some prayer, getting out a hell free card, and then showing up to church ever so often and dropping something in the offering plate. What God has called you to is much, much more. It's to be his disciple. And to be his disciple, you must count the cost, pick up your cross, and follow King Jesus. It's going to require your life, 100%. Will you yield it to King Jesus? I tell you what, if you will, I know you won't regret it. He's worth it. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your allegiance. Church, will you follow King Jesus? Let's get to our feet and worship him as we close this service.